Thanks for listening to Most Certainly True, a podcast of Grace Lutheran Church in downtown Milwaukee. It has been said that history is really His story, the story of God showing His grace and mercy to the people He has created. That grace and mercy is on clear display in the Gospels as we see our Jesus living and dying for the sins of the world. But His story continues. The story of the early Christian church is his story as well. We are glad that you have chosen to read that story with us, as together we read chapter by chapter through the book of Acts. We'll review the stories of God's grace and mercy on his infant church, and celebrate that same grace and mercy that we know and experience today. We are glad to have you studying and growing with us. Here's the next episode of our podcast and the discussion of the next chapter of the book of Acts. Hey podcast listeners, thanks for tuning in again for another episode of Most Certainly True Podcast. We're so glad that you're here with us and uh, ready for another discussion on another chapter in the book of Acts. I'm Pastor Brian Hockman, and I'm here with my friend and fellow Grace Pastor, Pastor Aaron Strong. How are you today? I am doing wonderful. I assured the listeners in one of the previous podcasts that you have not resigned from <laughs> uh, being on the podcast, but that uh, you had to skip a turn in your rotation for your family vacation. For vacation. So I'm sure our listeners are so glad to hear your voice. I'm back. Once again. Survive vacation. <laughs> and if you missed me, I'm sorry. You we, probably didn't even miss me, though. We did miss you, for sure. <laughs> I suppose it's been a few chapters since... Uh, since I've been involved, I think I did just miss a complete rotation, right? Yeah. I think that's how it worked. That's all good. We're glad to have you back. How was vacation? It was good. It, we uh, we enjoyed uh, a little over a week of traveling over to the East Coast to Washington, D.C. and spending a few days there exploring just about everything that D.C. has to offer. Um, we actually even made it to the ocean for a day, an afternoon of of sun and water and fun, and then um, up through Gettysburg and Niagara Falls and then back through Canada, a little international flair to our trip, there and you go. <laughs> and, and back home. So it was really a, it was a great trip. We saw so much. We we toured a lot of things, and uh, it was one of those vacations and road trips where you do so much that you almost need a break and another vacation to recover from vacation. But <laughs> we'll do that someday else. <laughs> Very good. But you you followed in a lot of those same spots. We you were up, on vacation as well and, and we uh, up out east happened to also. do a lot of those same spots, I think, right? Yeah. So we originally were going to do uh, um, New England. We were going to do Niagara Falls and Cooperstown and Hershey, Pennsylvania. And then um, I found out that the Brewers were playing in Boston that weekend. Okay. And so then we were going to extend over to Boston and... Um, go to the Friday night game, but um, lodging ended up being too expensive to do sure. it that way. I kind of mapped out, and and it would have been check out of a hotel every night and all of that rush, and then eight hours in the car, and so it wasn't going to be very relaxing, <laughs> and it was going to be really expensive. So we settled on a, an Airbnb in Virginia, um, and then did. DC for a day, Virginia Beach for a day, and then did do Niagara Falls. Trish has never been. So we did yeah. on the way home, went up to Niagara Falls and Good. then came home from there. 
Yeah, I had so. not been Niagara Falls either. My wife had been when she was, I think, back in high school, and she's always talked it up like we should do a trip out to Niagara Falls. And I don't know that I had ever been super on board and excited about going to Niagara Falls, um, but I was. I'm sold. It was really pretty yeah. impressive. Very cool. You got to do the boat trip, right? We did. We rode on the Maid of the Mist, and uh, it's that's a cool experience. They take you right up to the foot of the falls, and uh, it's it's impressive just to see. Uh, the thing that just floors me is just how big the falls are and how much water is pouring over these yep. things. I think it's like over 770,000 gallons a second. It's just astounding. It's a lot. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, a lot of water and uh, just very impressive. It was pretty cool to see. So we got to experience uh, in the evening and then the next day as well. So it was, uh, it was a fun fun trip there. That was on our original plans. And then we realized we were going to do the 9 a.m. boat trip and get soaked and then jump in the car and drive okay. ten, 10 hours home. Like, <laughs> mm, maybe that's a bad plan. Sure. <laughs> Checked out of a hotel already and... No place to change clothes. Well, it wasn't so. it wasn't too bad because they give you the rain poncho. Okay, and uh, and that actually does keep you fairly dry on the boat. Uh, the thing that actually soaked us was you get off of the boat, um, and you can go up the staircase that's along the American Falls, and it goes right up, probably about halfway up the falls, but it's right on the edge of it, and it's just waters. It's it's not just mist. It's like raining on top of you, okay. and that's where we got soaked. Okay. I mean, and even then, most for the most part, clothes are fairly dry, but it was your, your socks and shoes. If you were in socks and shoes, those those got drenched. Yeah. So, anyway, it was nice. We actually were able to walk around a little bit before we were hopping back in the car and heading home, and we did change shoes into to flip-flops or something like that as uh, after that. So weren't weren't soaked too bad, but that yeah. was one of those things that like, ooh, I didn't think about that. <laughs> it's hmm. probably smart. That could be really unpleasant. Yeah. And we had already uh, packed everything up so that we would only have to take one suitcase into the hotel. Oh, like, smart. So it would have been unpacking the whole van on the sidewalk in Niagara Falls to find dry socks. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we just watch it from up here where it's dry. There you go. They got a they got a couple drops of mist up in the state park. Okay, and so there that was there made of the mist. They, there you go. <laughs> you, you caught some. <laughs> so that's very cool. Yeah, yeah, it was a fun trip. The uh, Lake Erie Drive was really pretty. I don't know if you drove up on that side or not, but no, yeah. not too much because we were cutting through Pennsylvania from Gettysburg. Okay, uh, which right. was a really beautiful drive, just driving through the the mountains there. Um, and then and then we came into Canada, and so we drove through Canada, kind of the middle of whatever landform. I don't know if it's a peninsula or maybe a little bit of one, whatever yeah. goes over With to the Detroit, on the, the lakes on both lakes sides, there. right? So, yeah, it was more, not so much along the coast of, of Lake Erie or anything like that. So I was forgetting how close Toronto is to the falls yeah we saw toronto um in a distance we didn't we we actually did think about maybe going over there but it would have been just to drive over there i don't know that we would have spent a whole lot of time there and then drive back and we kind of said yeah it's probably not worth just yeah. driving in and out <laughs> so when i was a boy we did the toronto trip as a family and did the cn tower sure uh, which has got part of it's got the glass bottom where okay you're standing yeah there and looking cool. down and um this was before this was when the Skydome was like a movable roof was 
that was the only stadium in the whole major yeah. leagues that had that. And there was the Hard Rock Cafe where you could eat and then the window and, and watch. And okay. no stadium had ever done anything like that before. So that was a novel thing. And yeah. we swung by there. And okay. So very cool. But I my my ten year old self was not calculating miles how long it took to get, to <laughs> right. get around. So absolutely. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, it was a fun trip. I'm glad you enjoyed yours too. Yeah. For and, sure. And now we're back and summer's almost done. <laughs> Paul is in the middle of one of his trips. Yeah, Paul is in the middle we, of his trip. As we start uh Acts chapter twenty one. The tail end of the third mission journey. Right. So They've got that. It starts with after we had torn ourselves away. Um, so that's that. Remember, he's in Ephesus, uh, or not even in Ephesus. He goes to Miletus and calls for the elders because he knows it's gonna. He can. It's gonna take so long for him if he goes into the town and meets everyone. And um, he's trying to get back to Jerusalem for the festival. So he meets and prays with the elders, and and even that, there's a challenge. It's difficult to pull himself away from these people that he dearly loved. You can see Paul's pastoral heart here um, in the way that he cares for and loves these people. Even telling them, you'll probably never see me again. Um, But here's the encouragement that I can give you. And um, you can continue what I started here to proclaim the gospel of Jesus. Yes, they're making their way back. They're kind of hopping from from little city to little city along the coast as their their boat makes those stops. And um, I think the first major place that they stop at is at Tyre, and they meet some of the disciples there, and they're moved by the Spirit. Uh, They encourage Paul not to go to Jerusalem. And um, this is kind of precursor as to, uh, as they keep moving along, Paul's going to receive more and more encouragement not to go on to Jerusalem because uh, he's being warned that, it's it's you're not going to be well received, and and things might not go very well. Um, and yet Paul still kind of just resolutely says, "I'm prepared for whatever's going to happen." Right. Uh, back in chapter twenty, the Holy Spirit <clears throat> is the one that compels him to go to Jerusalem. So you can he, you can see here, it's a godly thing that these people are encouraging him, and they want him to continue his ministry, and they want him to be safe, and that's all very noble. Um, but Paul is recognizing the Lord's will be done here and I'm going to continue on to the festival. I'm going to continue on and put my self and my life and my ministry in, in the Lord's hands and whatever he wills uh, is best. Right. And as I, th- I think uh, as they're making these stops, the Lord is just preparing for the reality of what he's going to face. Paul's willing to face it, but just kind of giving him, um, you know, this is a taste of what's going to happen. Uh, when they stop at Caesarea, which is near where they would have started too. Um, Agabus, the the prophet, comes and he actually it, it's kind of interesting. He uses pic, uh, a picture here. Right? He takes uh, Paul's belt, ties up his own hands and feet, and says, "the the one who bears this belt, wh- whose belt this is, is going to be in the same way tied up uh, in Jerusalem." And so, just kind of a a precursor of what's going to happen. And everyone else around, I can just imagine, is like freaking out, like, "No, Paul, don't go! This is what's going to happen to you." And right. Paul just again resolutely sets his his eyes and and his his mission towards Jerusalem. Yeah, that Agabus thing is interesting. He's the same prophet who appeared 15 years ago in chapter right. 11 and predicted the famine in Jerusalem. And here he makes an, another appearance in in chapter 21. Uh, Right, you can just imagine that the people that didn't want Paul before, then they see 
this prophet, this well-known prophet, right. uh, has this pretty dire warning about what's about to happen. And now even more, <laughs> look at how can you still go and you, right. um, but so they set out and, uh, and Paul, along with, uh, his, his traveling companions, um, and some of the other disciples from Caesarea make their way over to, to Jerusalem. And, uh, and there they're welcomed quite warmly, actually, we're told in verse 17 by the brothers and sisters there in Jerusalem. And they get together with um, James, who is the, seems to be the leader of the, the early Christian church here. In yeah, Jerusalem. the president of the Jerusalem The president church. of the church, yeah. there you go. Yeah. And, uh, and the other elders there, and uh, Paul gives them a report of all the work he's been doing among the Gentiles. So it's kind of interesting. This would be Luke's first time being in Jerusalem um, because sometimes you... you you start to think that Luke's one of the disciples because of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But no, Luke has been this traveling companion, Gentile, but he's this is a we section where um, where Paul is, has brought him here. So Luke is with with Paul here in Jerusalem, and you see he he does the the uh, mission presentation, hosts the mission festival like he has done in Antioch. The after the first and second journeys, now he's um, not going back to Antioch, but arriving in Jerusalem and sharing. Here's what God's been doing. Here's the here's the wonderful news uh, of how the gospel has grown even amongst the Gentiles. After he shares that, um, then comes kind of the business portion of of the meeting as they gather together, and uh, the the, Jew, the Jewish leaders here um, in the the early Christian church bring up a kind of a a challenge, I guess, to to Paul and, and the ministry that he's doing. You know, Paul had been doing so much ministry to the Gentiles, and reports are coming back that well, you're telling the Gentiles that we no longer have to obey the Mosaic laws, and we should we should just throw them all out. And that really wasn't what Paul was about. Um, and, and so they kind of set before him like, well, people are going to get upset if they, if they find out you're here and that that's the, if that's the truth that you're telling people, they don't have to obey the laws anymore, um, and shouldn't observe some of these mosaic ceremonies, then we're going to have issues. Um, because there's a lot of Jewish people who are believing in, in Christ, but are still adhering to some of these, these observations of ceremonies and things like that, which was totally fine for them to continue to follow some of these things. Um, but you know, if, if Paul's going to be coming in and, and throwing a wrench into this, there's going to be challenges. And so they invite Paul to, um, to show that that's, that he's on board with, with them too, and, and invites him to take some, some young men, four men who have made a vow and to join them in their purification rites at the temple, um, kind of sponsor them in a way. And in this way would show that Paul is in support still of, of adhering to some of the mosaic laws that could still reflect on, a proper attitude towards God and and uh, relationship with Him, and Paul does that, uh, which I think is goes into uh, a reminder of what Paul says later on in, in one of his letters, where he says, "To the Jews I became a Jew; to the Gentiles I became a a Gentile." And um, he became all things to all people in order that they could show the unity that there is in Christ. So I think this is Paul putting his his money where his mouth is, and and willingly putting himself in in that position so that he can. He can continue a unity with those that he's he's united in Christ with. Yeah, uh, in verse twenty five, you get that this harkens back to the Jerusalem Council from Acts chapter fifteen, where they had um, 
talked about this Christian freedom, right? The law's been satisfied and fulfilled, um, but because we've got two distinct groups, we've got these Jewish believers and these Gentile believers, what's the best way to act? What's the best way to respond? And so you've got that list. Uh, abstain from food sacrifice to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. Um, this would be the agreement on how we're going to live to promote unity. Not that these are our carryovers or that Jesus satisfied and fulfilled all of the ceremonial laws except for these. Uh, but rather it was, th these are freedoms, things that we can refrain from um, observing or part participating in for the sake of those who aren't, aren't quite there yet. So you can see that has come up a few times and here it is again. So Paul joins in with them and he's, he's in the process of going through the, the purification rites with these men and uh, then trouble arises and it's a group of, of Jews from the Asian province who we've heard of plenty of times throughout Paul's journeys and the troubles that he's had at the hands of, of the Jewish believers from the, the province of Asia. Yep. And here they are in Jerusalem and they see Paul at the temple and they rile up the crowd uh, to, to seize him and um, accuse him wrongly of, of bringing Gentiles into the temple. Um, they had apparently seen a Gentile in the temple and thought that, mm -hmm. well, in the city, right? In, in this is it in the city? Yeah, they saw Trophimus in the city. In the city, and then assumed that that Paul had brought Paul him into the temple. Into the temple, right? right. So making a big leap, and uh, and now making accusations that weren't exactly true. But I was reading uh, something on this um, just to get some clarification, and it, there was an interesting observation that if Trophimus had gone into the Jewish court in the temple, he was the one who should have gotten the brunt of. Sure. Of the uh, of the punishment, and they should have re reacted against him. And so the fact that he wasn't there, and that these attacks come against Paul, uh, kind of highlights the fact that this is a false accusation, um, which is fine because the main goal is we want to we want to get the crowd upset with Paul. So we just right. start throwing some stuff at the wall and see yeah. what sticks. And here's something that would be, you know, he's he's a uh, blaspheming our temple he's he's <clears throat> the accusation already is being falsely thrown out there that he's ignoring jewish rules and so here would be a, a vivid way that he's ignoring this rule about only jews are allowed in the inner court of the temple so it resonated even though there was no proof evidence no one had actually seen it happen uh, but that accusation gets tossed out there and it gets people riled up isn't it amazing how you know oftentimes when it comes to these things when when someone doesn't agree with someone, it's it's usually not the truth that riles people up. It's it's the false accusations, and and that's just the the snowball effect. I think of sin. Right. That when you have stubborn unbelief, you're going to find any and everything, even if it's lies and deceptions and whatever else, to to really throw someone under the bus. Uh, it happened with Jesus, obviously. Um, here it's happening with Paul. We see it many other occasions against the disciples and apostles and things like that too. Um, honestly, we can do it in our own lives. Um, you know, we'll look for the false things and, and cling to those, even if they're not true, but it at least pushes our cause forward, our sinful desires and things like that yeah. too. And how easy it is to hear and believe something that we want to. Um, these people wanted an excuse to be mad at Paul. Right. So they heard something and just went with it. Um, rather than treating Paul as a brother in Christ or doing their own investigation to find out if these 
accusations were even true. Yeah, we're told that the whole city was roused, and I don't know that means that every single person in Jerusalem was now storming the temple and beating up on Paul, but it just shows that this was a big thing. It attracted a lot of people, and a lot of people were riled up in this crowd and part of this riot, and uh, Paul starts getting beaten up. So much so that the Roman guards had to had right. to get involved. So then the Roman soldiers come and they arrest Paul. And now all of a sudden what Agabus had, had prophesied not too long ago in Caesarea is is being fulfilled. Um, Paul is now being bound. He's arrested and handed over to the Gentiles, to the Romans uh, and right. their soldiers. It's interesting uh, if you're familiar with the setup of the temple. Uh, this fortress Antonia is on one of the corners uh, where that is like the watchtower where the Roman soldiers and the police force would be um, just overlooking and making sure largely their approach to the temple was you, you do your religious things and whatever, we're fine. Uh, but they were there and ready to step in if there was conflict. They were going to be peacekeepers and um, and make sure that things didn't get out of hand. Um, so you can picture them up in this tower and they watch this riot kind of take place and figure out who's at the center of it right so um that should give you a little bit of a sense of how bad this actually was well too and Um, it mentions that centurions were involved and centurion was uh, an officer in charge of a hundred soldiers underneath him so you gotta assume then that there are probably at least two centurions which means there's probably at least 200 soldiers uh, involved in this this whole thing too so i mean this is it's a fairly substantial riot yeah Oh, and sure. um, they're trying to bring peace, and it's just so bad too, and and so many accusations being thrown out that they can't even get to the bottom of it. They can't really figure it out, so they end up just bra- dragging Paul into the barracks so that they can get him outside and away from the crowd, where now they can start to investigate what's really happening here. That line at the end, uh, uh, or verse thirty-five, when Paul reached the steps, the violence of the mob was so great he had to be carried by the soldiers. Right, like Isn't that wild. What kind of th- hubbub is this right. that you've got these 200 soldiers that are escorting paul out and that's the mob is even sounds like overpowering them and um they've got to carry paul like wow right this is a big deal they're fired up and they keep yelling get rid of them and um well, I, the- i've often wonder when i read this section of scripture what's going through paul's mind you know here he's been called by god he's done nothing but uh, preach the gospel and and do exactly what God's followed him called him to do and followed his directions and now here he is in the capital city here he is um, and you know his approach was always go and preach to the Jews first and then proclaim yeah. the news to the Gentiles but how this must have just pierced his heart to to have this response from his countrymen this response from these from the people of God from the Jewish nation. Um, who Jesus came to to serve and to save and now they're this fired up about the fact that Paul is is sharing with them the gospel and um there there must it, I, I'm thinking this stings just a little bit more than um some of the rejection that he's experienced in other parts of the world to to be treated this way at the temple right and in Jerusalem must must just add to the pain of what's happening here and to the the emotional strain that this must have been. Well, and I think you know, taking he'll he'll take all that into consideration too in the the message in the little sermon that he he will preach in the next chapter. 
he, he really ties in all of those those connections that you just mentioned, the Jewish connection, the temple connection, um, the, the Gentile connection, and, and just really lay it out in front of him to, to hopefully convince them or at least set out in front of them uh, his purpose and the message that he's going to proclaim about Christ. But I think that's as far as we're going to go in this chapter. Yeah. There's a few verses left over, but they still nicely tie into chapter 22 that we're just going to give you a little teaser and say you have to come back yeah and if listen. you're really passionate about those verses you better tune in <laughs> for the next one we're going to cut it short <laughs> and let those verses be the lead in into into chapter 22 chapter 22's discussion will be just as good as chapter 21's this is most, most certainly, certainly true, true. thanks for listening We'd love to share more about God's love with you. Check us out at www.gracedowntown.org. There you'll find worship times, our pastor's contact info, and a lot of information about our ministry in and to downtown Milwaukee. We hope to connect you to the grace of God again soon.